Now I invite you to turn to the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans. We're in chapter 8. <clears throat> My wife had been working for a subsidiary travel agency of a major airline. And one of the perks of this job was airline tickets anywhere that that airline flew for the price of taxes alone. So, for example, we were able to fly home to Honolulu for $50 round trip per person. It was, it was a really good benefit. Uh, we miss it a lot. <laughs> the only condition for this benefit, however, was we had to fly standby. So that means if there were seats available and, uh, and also standby in order of employee seniority. So if there were seats available, we could fly anywhere really cheaply as long as there were no other employees flying, trying to fly in that same flight who had been working for that company longer than Lori had. So one spring break, um, Lori's family was going to Disneyland in California, and our desire was to join them and the way that we could join them was by utilizing her flight benefit. So we go out to the airport and uh, we signed into the standby list and we're waiting to see if there might be open seats. And then we s sat there in the gate area <laughs> waiting and waiting. And then all of a sudden on the board, you know, there, it, it, it shows that there's 10 open seats. Now there's encouragement rising. But to then our crushing disappointment, there are also 15 standbys. And because of seniority, we happen to be the last five. So boo-hoo, we didn't make it on the flight. And uh, so we wait for the next flight, watching to see if there will be open seats. And based on this seniority list, if we would make it onto that airplane. So our, our boys were, were little at this time, and they're asking us, you know, we're out there at the airport, they're asking, are we going to go to Disneyland on this airplane? And um, being the spiritual people we are, we, we say, well, boys, we just have to pray and ask God to get us on that plane. So being the spiritual people that we are, um, we paused right there in the gate area, and we bow our heads together and we pray, oh, dear God, help us. We want to be with our family together at Disneyland. Please get us on this plane. And as, I mean, we, we hardly said amen. <clears throat> and we notice another family sitting together in the same gate area. And we see them bow their heads. And we can overhear them praying, dear God, help us please get our family on this airplane. <laughs> and uh, our boys had, had hard questions for us to answer when on account of limited seating and higher seniority, that family got on the plane and we didn't. <clears throat> Back in my school days, I used to pray, dear God, help me, I need an A on this test. Or before a 100-yard dash, I would pray, dear God, help me beat these guys. I want to win. Or, dear God, help me. I want a date with Debbie Kitzman. And uh, 
Later in life, when there is so much more at stake, we pray things like, dear God, help me, I cannot afford to lose this job. Or dear God, help, help us. If that storm hits again, we could lose everything. Or dear God, help us, we want a baby. Or dear God, save us, our society is coming apart. Or if you're a Christian from citizen from some other country, say Afghanistan, you might be praying, dear God, save us or somebody's going to kill us. There, there are multi-layered, complicated matters when it comes to our cares and concerns. And while you're praying for one thing, somebody else is praying for something else or the same thing. While one thing is happening here, there's like two dozen things happening over there. Have you ever found yourself wondering, what then should we pray for? Or why even pray at all? What encouragement is there to pray when there's so much more at stake than a trip to Disneyland or a date with Debbie Kitzman? Well, today we're going to give our attention to Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. But in order to locate the context for really Paul's profound encouragement here, I want to invite you to follow along. I'm going to begin reading in verse 22, read verses 22 to 27. And if you're able, please stand as an expression of your respect and regard for what God has to say through his word. Paul writes, We know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this, in this hope, we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And then here's our text. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is God's invaluable word. May he make it useful. May he get all the glory. Let's pray. So, Lord, we look to you. We look to you for the strength and the, the help that you supply to weak Christians. And we acknowledge, Lord, that that it's that notion of weakness. Our impulse is to resist that notion. We don't 
want to go that way. We don't want to go there. We don't want that attributed to us. But Lord, there are in reality fears and anxieties and insecurities and all manner of things that, that, that hinder us and restrain us, oppose our faith in you. And just thank you, God. Thank you so much this day for all that you have supplied to strengthen and help and come alongside and fill and sustain and save and rescue and meet the needs of your people in every way. We pray that your presence and your power would be manifest here, be revealed here in, with dynamic power. There would be activity of your spirit working even now among us. So we look to you, Lord, for this work. We're, we're depending on you for this work. We're trusting you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I believe the main point of Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27 is that it's the work of the third person of the Trinity, that, that is God the Holy Spirit, to help you, to help me, to help every believer to know what to pray for in any given circumstance. To know that with clarity, to know that with confidence, and to accomplish it in accordance with the purpose and will of God. That's, an, that's a remarkable thing. It's an extraordinary promise. For there are and there will be times when we just don't know what to pray for. That's what Paul says in verse 26. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. Have you ever felt as though in relation to God, you just simply don't know what to say? Uh, you don't know what to pray? Paul's aim and purpose in these two verses is to help us to know what to pray for in any given circumstance with clarity, with confidence, and in accordance with God's purpose and will. His aim is to show us that God supplies everything that we need in times like that. My outline for this sermon is going to be built around these three observations. One, our, our problem with prayer. Two, God's purpose for prayer, God's purpose or will for prayer. And third, the Spirit's help in prayer. So first of all, our problem with prayer. And, and our problem with prayer is that we are weak. That's an adjective that nobody likes to have attributed to them. We, we, we may find it acceptable to own up to an awful lot of things, but weakness is not one of them. But when it comes to prayer, and specifically knowing what to prayer in any given circumstance as we ought, this is our fundamental problem. We're weak. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. And it's that word likewise, right? It, that's what clues us into the nature of the weakness. Specifically, grammatically likewise, um, which we could also translate as in the same way, it can relate to the immediate context where Paul had been Encouraging Christians to, to endure trials, to endure sufferings, to endure painful things by means of a hope in a glorious future. 
Verse 18 says, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed. Verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, or or in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Well, what weakness? Our weakness, when it comes to enduring intense and prolonged suffering. Hope for a glorious future sustains us in suffering. And likewise, the Spirit helping us pray, helping us know what to pray for, sustains us in suffering. So it's hard to know what to pray for, right? When when we're weary and we're worn out and we have been pummeled by ongoing pain and hardship. At such times, we, we can tend to pray for the wrong thing. We, we can find that our main concerns aren't necessarily God's main concerns. And in such circumstances, all we seem to be able to articulate are wordless groans. And that's, why, that's what Paul's referring to when he says in verse 23, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We're groaning because we're suffering while we're waiting for heaven. And then in verse 26, we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings. Too deep for words. So physical emotional suffering just wears us down and it wears us down spiritually and we're weak, too weak to to know what to pray for in a way that is fitting to the circumstances. And that little word, likewise, indicates that one way that we endure is hope in the future, but another way that we endure is God's provision of strength through the Holy Spirit as we pray. But that little word likewise can also relate grammatically all the way back to verse 16. Actually, from the beginning of Romans chapter 8, Paul has been addressing the matter of Christian assurance and certainty of salvation. In verse 16, Paul writes, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. It's one of the works of the Spirit to engender assurance, to to witness to our spirits internally. Yes, I belong to the Lord. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him. And then, and then he goes off in this digression on this whole matter of suffering that goes all the way through verse 25. And then having finished off that theme of suffering, Paul returns to the focus of assurance again in verse 26. Where the, now the controlling factor in our certainty, the, the controlling factor in our certainty of salvation, our assurance that we're really belonging to the Lord, is the active presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And in this way, that little word likewise in verse 26 functions as a, a connector back to that line of reasoning. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. What weakness? 
weak, weak assurance, weak confidence that we belong to Christ. We, we lack certainty and peace that, 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 that we belong to the Lord and that God's for us and He's not against us. And so if you're a doubting Christian and you're anxious about whether or not God is for you and you're fearful that God could be really ticked off at you, questioning whether this whole Christianity thing is even real, it's, it's hard to pray in those times, isn't it? What do you pray for? If, if, why pray if God's mad at you? What's the use? Hard to know what to pray for as we ought, as is fitting with all that's hanging over our heads. Now, I believe that grammatically we could go either way. With weak assurance comes the difficulty of knowing what to pray for, and with weak endurance comes difficulty in knowing what to pray for. In either sense, we're weak. But here's the thing. We're not alone in our weakness. We're not hung out there in our weakness. We are weak. We're all weak. Paul was weak. You realize that? You remember that? In his letter to the church in Corinth, he wrote about his suffering and his prayer. It's a familiar text in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 9. Paul writes, A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger from Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, and therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul was weak. And in his weakness says, because he had a lot of them, he asked God for one thing. God would take away the thorn. But God's purpose was another thing. God's purpose was not to take away the thorn, but to keep Paul from being conceited and proud and self-sufficient. He would have to live with the thorn in such a way that God's glory was be revealed. The strength and power of God's sustaining grace. God's purpose was to put the glory of His power on display in such a way that Paul would, would, would lean on Him and revel in all that He is for Him. So, since we're all weak, don't we all have circumstances where, like Paul, we just don't know what to pray for? But God knows them all. And God sees all our weaknesses in the same way He saw all Paul's weaknesses, even the one that, those weaknesses that no one else sees. And God has a plan and a purpose for all of our weaknesses. Verse 27. He who searches hearts knows. What does he know? He knows our weaknesses. 
He knows the weaknesses that we're aware of. He knows each and every weakness that we would like to remain hidden in our hearts. He knows the weaknesses that we don't even know. Weaknesses that we might not have self-awareness about. God knows us and our weaknesses. But what else does he know? He also knows, according to verse 27, what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. God knows what we need and he has a plan and a purpose. And since the Spirit always intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's plan and purpose, God knows what the... What the Spirit's mindset is while the Spirit is interceding on our behalf. So you see, on the one hand, we've got this problem with prayer. Ah, but wait, no worries. Because on the other hand, God has a purpose for prayer. What is God's purpose for our praying? For our asking Him for things? Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, that is by asking, by remaining in God's word and true to his purpose and then asking according to his purpose, my father is glorified. He's glorified in that you'll bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So God's purpose for our praying, for our asking him for things is so that we might bear much fruit, spiritual fruit, so that he gets the glory and that we might experience the joy of assurance of salvation. We prove to be his disciples. So there's a, there, there's a wrong way to pray, right? According to James chapter 4, verse 3, it says, you ask, you don't receive. Why? Because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Prayer is not intended by God for gratifying natural desires in and of themselves. The purpose for prayer is fruit bearing for God. Prayer is for the fulfillment of the will of God. To wield prayer for any other purpose than God's purpose is to wield it in a manner for which it was not intended. And so, through our weaknesses, though our weaknesses uh, pose a problem with us, with prayer, over here, God has a purpose for prayer. And that gap is closed by the work of the Holy Spirit who helps us in prayer. Perhaps it would be more accurate to say that we have three divine helpers when we pray. We have Christ the Son who is pleading our access to God the Father. According to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18, it says through Him, that is through Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Jesus helps us in prayer. And then we have God the Spirit prompting us to pray. While simultaneous, this prompting by the Spirit is done in accordance with the will and purpose of God the Father. 
Look again, just listen to verses 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts, that's God the Father, God the Father knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God the Father. So listen, loved ones. When it comes to prayer, when it comes to anything spiritual, when it, when it has to do with relating to God, obviously we are weak. We're weak morally. We commit countless sins every day and without Christ as our intercessor, we could never approach the throne of such a holy God. And we are spiritually spiritually weak according to our spiritual nature. We have no innate inclination or will or desire to draw near to the throne of God. Some days you wake up dull and you don't feel like praying. You try to pray and nothing happens. But by God's sovereign grace, it is the Spirit who helps us to will and to act according to God's good purpose. And further, we have, we just have multiple deficits and blind spots when it comes to our our self-awareness, our self-understanding, our perspective on all the things that are going on at all times, in all places. I mean, just take the global context right now, right? Who on earth can rightly and accurately know anything anymore? But God's up to something. And he is up to accomplishing a million things. And how many of those million things that God is doing right now in our national context or the global context, how many of those million things that God is up to right now do you or I have the capacity to recognize? I mean, on account of our weakness, our countless weaknesses, maybe, maybe I can see or recognize maybe like 0.001% of all the million things that God's doing today. What do you pray for when you don't know most everything? God knows that you're weak. God knows that I am weak. And God who searches all hearts and sees all our hearts, and finds you and I groaning. He who sees it all knows our intentions. He has x-ray vision into our motives and every one of our inner movements. And even, friends, friends, the faintest whisper in the heart of a person is known to God. And so here's the thing. Even if, even when our prayers are less than perfect, like, we try, we groan, God the Holy Spirit is praying with us. God the Holy Spirit is praying alongside of us. And in union with Christ, we are praying with God by the Holy Spirit. On, on more than one occasion, I've had the experience of sitting in a courtroom to observe some legal proceeding, some trial, and, and I've watched as, um, it's a sobering thing to watch as 
the one against whom charges have been brought is called to stand before the judge. And, and there's just this weightiness, kind of this, this heaviness, this gravity of the moment. It's pressure. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tangible. You feel it. And I've watched as the one standing there is asked by the judge some question. It could be any question. And there's, there's just this moment of hesitation, kind of gathering thoughts, wits, words, because you know if you don't answer rightly, there's an awful lot at stake. And then often there's, um, besides this moment of hesitation and pause, the, the individual typically will turn to their attorney, who's their advocate, and, and this, this advocate will essentially tell them what to say. Say this. <laughs> Don't say that. Because what to say in that moment moment matters in many, many, many ways. What do you say under all that pressure? (sighs) Without that advocate organizing thoughts, supplying clarity, bringing calm to the internal storm, essentially putting words in one's mouth. He's the one formulating the petition. He's the one formulating the response. He's giving the words. And the Spirit of God is like that for us. When we don't know, He knows. When we are weak, He helps When we can barely stand, He stands alongside. He carries. He overcomes each and every one of our weaknesses. Moral, spiritual, mental, emotional, perspectival infirmities. I mean, just let that care and that compassion and that commitment wash over you. When you groan, the Spirit of Christ who dwells in you is groaning. And as He groans on behalf of us as our advocate, our prayers are conformed to His will. And here's the thing. In this sense, this is the remarkable thing, isn't it? In this sense, our prayers are not weak. Our prayers are powerful because Christ to whom we are joined is powerful. Our prayers are powerful because the Spirit who dwells within us and intercedes for us is powerful. I love the way Jim Packer puts it. He writes, God fixes our prayers on the way up. If he does not answer the prayer we made, he will answer the prayer we should have made. That's all anyone needs to know. Loved ones, when we do not know what to pray for as we ought, it is the work of the Spirit of God to help you, to help me, to help every believer in any given circumstance to pray with clarity and confidence and in accordance with the purpose and will of God. Now, really without in any way meaning to diminish the sufficiency of the Spirit's subjective work in helping us to pray, I'd like to suggest three things, three ways we can pray intentionally and confidently and objectively according to the purpose of God's will. Because when we don't know what to pray for, there are other default things 
that we can immediately go to. When we don't know what to pray for, well, then pray God's Word. (laughs) Which simply means you open your Bible, you start reading it, and pause at every verse, and you talk to God about whatever comes to your mind. The inspired, spirit-inspired Word of God supplies the content. It provides vocabulary. And in concert with the Spirit, Scripture itself then prompts the very things for which we pray. And the more we pray God's Word, the more we are praying the mind of the Lord. Praying according to His will and purpose. There's simply no surer way to pray according to God's purpose than praying God's Word. Second, when you don't know what to pray for, well then, at least pray God's promises. Praying God's promises is just a more specific, focused way of praying God's Word. You pick a promise from God's Word, you read it, or better, you recite it to yourself, and then you turn it into a prayer. I mean, every Sunday morning, I'm sitting right over there, and just before I walk up here to preach, I will say again to the Lord, I'm a, I got nothing. <laughs> Flesh and blood is of no help in this moment. I mean, if you do not come through today, this will be of no help. This will be of no use. Unless you pour out your spirit on me and on these dear people, these next 40 minutes are going to accomplish nothing of spiritual value. So I am trusting you. I am trusting myself to the promise that you have made. One that I always go to is Psalm 3410, which says... God withholds no good thing to those who seek him. I'll I'll say that to myself. I'll recite that to myself. And man, I'm just, I'm seeking you. I'm seeking you. And I'm trusting you to, to, to withhold no good thing right now. Trusting you to hold back nothing that would strengthen me. Nothing that would that would be useful in building up this church. I'm hoping in your faithfulness to your purpose to reveal your glorious grace for the joy and soul satisfaction of these people. Those are the good things. Those are the good things. I'm seeking you withhold nothing of that to these people. (laughs) And loved ones, listen, there, there is a promise from God in God's word for every problem, every situation, every fear, every insecurity, every heartache, every challenge, every circumstance we face. And as we entrust ourselves in prayer to the promises that God has made to us in his word, the spirit will strengthen our faith, change our hearts, overcome every temptation. Make us strong in the Lord. And then finally, when you don't know what to pray for, praise God. We know that's his purpose, right, ultimately? That his name would be praised in all the earth, by all peoples, all nations, every tribe, tongue, language. We know what is the will of God and purpose of God ultimately. That's to fill the earth with the knowledge of, the praise of, and soul satisfaction in the hearts of his people, in his glory. This is what God is doing around the world right now. We know it's happening. The gates of hell will not keep it from happening. Heartfelt praise to God is what happens when the Spirit moves. 
Worship is what happens when God's will and purpose are accomplished. Soul satisfaction is what happens when God's people, by God's grace, according to the work of the Spirit within us, set our mind's attention and our heart's affection on all that God is for us in the person of Jesus. So, when you don't know what to pray for, if nothing else, give Him praise for all that He is. And I invite you to join me now in praying and praising and waiting and seeking and trusting and expressing our pleasure in all that He is for us even now and will be for all eternity. Let's pray together. Lord, for, for those who in this moment f- feel the reality of, of question marks and doubts and weakness in relation to their assurance that they belong to you, their assurance and confidence that you are for them and not against them, That there's weakness even in terms of, am I really a child of God? Would you reveal your active presence and power through the working of the Holy Spirit and bring strength, bring strength of soul, bring strength of assurance and confidence into those fearful Anxious, confused, tangled, doubting insecurities. And Lord, for those who come to this gathering worn and weary by an avalanche of burdens and troubles and trials, things that just are coming so hard and so fast, can't even get their thoughts straight. Would you come alongside now, Holy Spirit, through your active, discernible presence, power, working. Bring comfort, bring peace, bring clarity. Untangle all of those thoughts. Bring, bring tangible working of just lifting the pressure so that these loved ones can catch their breath, so to speak. They need fresh oxygen from you. But they can't even put a sentence together. You're you're the advocate. You're the solicitor. You're the attorney. You're the representative. You're the one that stands in our place Pray that you would communicate all that needs to be communicated to the Father. For the Father's glory, for the accomplishment of the Father's will in strengthening these weak souls. And Lord, for everybody else, all of us, in our 
infirmities, in our deficits, in our limitations, whether it's intellectually, perspectively, as we, we just try to navigate this craziness in the world these days. What to believe? What's true? What can we hold on to? Lord, we know, we know today that your word is true. We know that what you've said and spoken in this book is true. So if nothing else, we can pray this book, we can pray this word, we can pray these promises, and Lord, we can praise you. We can exult in you by desiring you, longing for you, waiting upon you. That's what we're going to do now. So meet your people. Come, Holy Spirit, and fall fresh upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.